Hey, can I just tell you how impressed I am that how many of the kids here knew the fill in the blanks to all the questions? I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little prideful as a pastor that our children knew myrrh. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure some of them, if we had asked them, could have actually spelled frankincense. I'm just saying. Just saying. Those are some sharp kids. Hey, we're so glad that you're here joining us for this uh, Riverside Christmas and and, and the meaningfulness that this season has to offer us. We know that there's so much fun, right? There's the dinners and the gift-giving and the celebrations that we go to, seeing family and, and friends. But, but, but for these next few moments, we, we just want to pull all of our attention back to this one idea and this one thought that Christmas, let's not forget, is still about Jesus and in one of the parts of the story of his birth that I love so much is the story of the Magi, the wise men, as we heard in the storybook tonight. And, and as we explore for these next several minutes the, 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 the part of the story of Jesus' birth that involves the Magi, we're going to see that they give us three questions. They give us a prayer and a promise. They give us three questions. They give us a prayer and a promise. The three questions come, as you might guess, from the three gifts. Now, we don't really know as to whether or not there were actually three wise men or three magi. The Bible does not give us their names, does not number them. The Bible just numbers their gifts. And so we deduce because there were three presents, there must have been three people, but it's those three presents, the, the significance of them and what they meant when they gave them to Jesus, give us some questions to ask ourselves as we approach 2024. The first one is this. The first question is this. Am I, am I, un, am I submitted to his authority? Meaning that gold was a gift that was reserved for kings. 2,000 years ago, if you were going to go to the birth of a child that was being born into a royal family, especially someone that was of a royal line, meaning that they were in line to inherit the throne, then, then it's expected that gold would be a gift that you would bring. Now, we know that the Magi, the wise men, saw Jesus as a king because the Gospel of Matthew tells us when they were looking for him, when they stopped for directions, they said, we're, we're looking for the child who was born the king of the Jews. So they brought this gift of gold with intention. Now, this idea of kingship, it eludes us a little bit because we are people of democracy, right? We, we would believe, I hope that you would accept this idea that in an earthly kingdom, a government should be by the people and for the people, but the kingdom of heaven is not an earthly kingdom, and the kingdom of heaven needs a king. And, and, and kings, when they issue an edict, it's, it's not negotiable, I think sometimes we forget that even though we are in God's family and even though we have a prayer, we don't have a vote. Even though we have a petition, we don't have a say. There's something of our lives that is supposed to be submitted to and yielded to the authority of Christ. Is he our friend? We're going to get to that. That's the second question. But before he becomes our friend, we must see him as our king. And so if you were to take your life and imagine it like a map, 
If you can go back to your days in school, if you're old like me, there were maps on the wall that showed the geography of the world or certain nations. Your life has a certain geography to it. There are parts and components of your life that represents pieces of who you are, your career, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, the vocation that you're in, your relationships, if you're married, your spouse, if you're not, your romantic relationships, your identity, and all the pieces that are connected to that all represent certain parts. How about our finances? All of that, at some point, we have to ask the question, is this one area, if we were to put a pin in all of those places on the maps of our heart, have we brought all of them under the authority of Christ? Have we ceded authority to him? As we move into 2024, would you be willing to ask yourself the question, as you look at yourself and think of yourself, can you say that I have brought all of my life under the authority of Jesus? But there wasn't just a gift of gold. There was also a gift of frankincense. Now, frankincense is a resin that you find in a certain kind of tree. It would be burned in religious ceremonies as a ritual, and it would create a certain kind of aroma. And, and this gift is given to Jesus at his birth as an acknowledgement that he is our priest. And he's not just any kind of priest. He's the perfect kind of priest because he's the mediator that stands between us and God. Now, I like this idea of Jesus being a priest because I think it stands in contrast with his kingship. See, kings are not accessible to people. You have to have a certain title. You have to have a measure of authority. Maybe you have to be born into a certain kind of family. Maybe you have to be in service to the king in a special, unique kind of way to have access to him. His authority is over us, but maybe thinking of Jesus as a king makes it feel like he's not present. But see, that's where a priest comes in. A priest is present. A priest is here. A priest is not on the throne, the priest is among the people. We can get to him. There's a bond of trust that we build with him. There is a measure of relationship, dare we say intimacy, that we have with him. This next question that I want to challenge you to ask yourself is this. Am I making room for his friendship? All of us have rhythms to our lives. All of us have a a routine to a day. And as you're moving into 2024 and you're asking yourself this question, am, am, I, am I submitted to the authority of Christ? I, I want to add another question. Am I making room for his friendship? Or are you adding to the routine and the rhythm of your life the kinds of things which we call here pathways at our church? Are, are you living a pathway-centric life? Because as you spend time reading the Bible, guess what happens? Your sense of intimacy with Jesus grows deeper. As you spend time in prayer, asking Jesus for things for you, talking with him about the concerns and the hopes and dreams that you have, as you share those things with him, talk about those things to him, hey, guess what? Your sense of intimacy with him begins to grow. 
As we look around this room right here and find all of these people in the sanctuary, could, could I just encourage you to, to believe this? When we come into community together with a focus on the one who we love, who has saved us, as we spend time with his family, how many of you know there's a sense of intimacy that deepens even for you with him? I, I know that for many of us, we have drifted out of COVID into this place of convenience with devices, but I I'm hoping that 2024 is going to be where we drift back into community with one another. There's a depth of intimacy we find even in that place. As you move into 2024, would you be willing to ask yourself the question, how are you making room for the friendship that Jesus wants to have with you? The third question is this, am I living in his grace? See, Jesus came for many reasons, but one of the reasons he came was to die for us. Can we just agree that myrrh is a terribly inappropriate gift to give to a child? It's, it's, a, it's a terribly inappropriate gift. I, I, sometimes I think about the, the magi and the wise men, however many that they were, and whoever brought that gift, the other wise men looking at him and saying, I don't think you should bring that in to the house, to the family, right? Because myrrh served a purpose in ancient times, and the purpose it served was to embalm and prepare people for burial, right? It's not really what you want to bring to a baby shower. But every one of these gifts have meaning. Every one of these gifts have a purpose. And part of their purpose tonight is to challenge us to ask ourselves some deep and pressing honest questions. Because that myrrh spoke to maybe his greatest identity of all, a suffering savior. All of us have been born into this world separated from God. And all of us in this world have a list of regrets that we are carrying with us, a list that is still growing for each of us even today. And all of those regrets, they keep us separated from God. And Jesus said, I'm going to do something to take care of all of that. From Genesis to Revelation, there is this resounding declaration that says there must be a substitutionary sacrifice, forgiveness to come. Paul writing to a letter that's called the book of Romans. He's, it's called that because he was writing to dear friends of his in Rome. And one of the things that he said is that, hey, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He's saying all of us are desperate for his grace. Paul also wrote in that same letter that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came with an answer. And in that same letter, Paul says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. What does that mean? It means that we step into a place of living in his grace. There is a, a map that represents your life, but if we could shift gears just for a moment creatively, your life is also a motion picture that's playing out, right? Hebrews 11, before a great cloud of witnesses. And if we were to rewind the film of your life, can we find a frame? My frame is in December of 1990. Where would your frame be? The frame that represents the moment where you yielded your life to Jesus Christ, where you put the full weight of your life on Jesus Christ, where you availed yourself to the forgiveness that he so freely gives because of the death 
on the cross that he gave to the world. John in his gospel says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Could it be for someone here in this room, someone as part of our online community, that the frame of the motion picture of your life where you made a vow of devotion to Christ is going to be this Christmas of 2023. Three gifts and three questions. But the story of the Magi, if we keep turning the pages and exploring who they are and what they did, what we find is that there is also, I believe, a prayer. And the prayer that their lives challenges us to pray as we're moving into 2024 is this, God, help me to leave a Daniel legacy. Now, there's lots of thoughts and ideas about where did the Magi come from? Who were they? How did they know to travel? What, what was the significance of Magi or wise men 2,000 years ago? Now, I agree with the scholarly group that says that they came out of Persia, that they were astronomers, that they were people that gave counsel, they were prognosticators of sorts. Sometimes they were attached to a specific king's court, but then some, they, they traveled from court to court and people hired them to kind of figure out what was going to happen in the future. Sometimes they just gave wise counsel. Now, we don't know if these wise men were ones who traveled or if they were attached to a certain kingdom, but we know because of the title Magi they carried, we understand the role that they served in the world 2,000 years ago. And it could have taken them, if they left out of Persia, it could have taken them up to two years. Think about that the next time you're traveling for whatever your next trip is, right? Two years, two years to finally get to Jesus. Many scholars also believe that they were likely not there at his birth, right? That they, they, they would have arrived when he was a toddler. So if you have a nativity scene or if you're fancy and you call it a crash, I know, see, you're learning a word. You should take the wise men and you should put them on the front porch because they're not quite there yet, right? I was riding out to my mom's house in New Kent last night, and I rode by this house that had this glorious illuminated nativity scene in their front yard, so I stopped, and I moved the wise men to the other side of the yard. No, I did not. I did not. But I wanted to. That's my confession. I wanted to. They weren't quite there yet, but finally they, they did arrive. And the distance that they traveled is not the part of the story that gives us the prayer. It's the time that they traveled. See, see if, if, if we had a time machine and we could move back in time and we could go 2,000 years back to the birth of Christ, but then not stop there. Let's go back another 600 years, another six centuries. We land in the world at the time when the Babylonian Empire swept across the Middle East, gobbled up Israel, and took almost that entire nation away into 70 years of captivity. And then some of the young men that they brought into captivity, one of their names was Daniel. Three of the others were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe some names that are familiar to you if you're familiar with some of these Bible stories. And, and, and what the Babylonian king would do is he conquered nations. He would pull the promising young men, oftentimes out of royal families, young men who were educated, young men who spoke multiple languages, and he would train them and prepare them to become advisors and counselors. And then the ones that, that were the sharpest, the, the ones that 
that rose to the highest levels, that they would be invited to be a part of the Magi. They would become the wise men of his court. Daniel was so gifted by God. Daniel was, 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 was so filled with, with these supernatural abilities that as we get to Daniel 5, we see that even though he was someone that was brought into captivity, and usually they would only serve in the court, Daniel himself became the head of all of the Magi for the king of Babylon. Jeremiah was also brought away into captivity spent 70 years there in his prophetic ministry. And, 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 and what we see is that Daniel and Jeremiah, as we read about them, they had this belief, this prophetic insight that God had given to them, that one day God would send a savior into the world. And I believe, as many do, that Daniel would have taught and proclaimed and shared this belief with such conviction and such faith that even people that weren't Jewish, even people that worshiped other gods were so captured by his story, were so enthralled by his faith that they themselves, even if they didn't embrace Judaism, they embraced the belief that God would one day send a savior to the world. And so their lives come to an end. 600 years later, at the birth of Christ, there are a group of magi. For six centuries, this faith has been passed down from generation to generation to generation so that when the star appeared in the sky, they knew that they had to go because this was the fulfillment of six centuries of storytelling was going to be made manifest and fulfilled in their lifetime. Would you, as you move into 2024, be so bold to pray over yourself, over your children, over your family, that we would live a Daniel kind of life, that we would leave a Daniel kind of legacy. Not, not that people would know who we are. It's not praying for fame. It's praying for impact. That, that our, our faith, the simplicity of our faith, but the purity of our faith, the passion of our faith, the conviction of our faith, and who Jesus is, that 600 years from now, come on, 600 years from now, there will be people in this world who are postured and positioned to look for Christ as the Savior because of something that you and I set into motion in this life. Would you be willing to take that prayer with you into 2024? And then finally this, there is a promise. There is a promise. I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way back to the front. I love that God chose a star in the sky to lead the Magi to the Christ child because they were astronomers. I, I, I love that God chose to give direction and reveal himself to them in a way that they could understand. I love that the plan of heaven was to ask the question, how can we make it known to them in a way that they're gonna get it? I have some sense in this moment that maybe some of you came into this service tonight and, and, and maybe coming 
out of 2023. Maybe even it goes back farther than that. You, you have this feeling of longing for God's direction in your life. E- even now as I'm talking about it, you, you feel this, this stirring in your, your heart that, that draws you to this moment. Because this is what I believe for you. He picked a star for them because that's what they would understand. Can I just tell you that God understands you? He knows exactly what you need. He knows what you need to hear. He knows what you need to see. That There is a star of sorts that he's going to provide for you in 2024. That's the promise that I want to leave to you tonight. That just as he did it for the Magi, God wants to do it for you. I don't know what your star is going to look like. I don't, I don't know what, what, what it is that he's going to do in your life to, to give you the direction that you're looking for, to get you back on track of some sorts. Can, can you imagine the sense of purpose the Magi carried? Can, can you imagine the sense of confidence and the hope that stirred in their heart when, when, when the star appeared in the sky? Do, do you think, as I do, that maybe every night at sunset did the Magi gather and ask themselves the question, will it appear in the sky again tonight? For maybe for two years. But every night the star was there until it led them right to the place where they needed to be. Can I just tell you, there is somewhere in your future that you're supposed to be. And God knows exactly how to get you there. He knows what you need to see. He knows what you need to hear. He knows how to lead you to that place. So as we sing this closing song, this is my invitation to you. We have these tables that are set up on either side. Whether it's for one of you or whether it's for all of you is not important. What matters is that it's for some of you. There are people in this room, there are people in this room, that there is a longing in your heart for the direction that you know that God wants to give to you. Now, if you get up here, and for some reason, because we love that there's so many people here tonight, so if you feel compelled to come, you come. And if, if, if when you get up here, all the candles are lit, then just light another one just as a sign of your declaration of faith. Because can I just tell you, it's not so much about the lighting of the candle as it is about the steps that you take between where you are and here. It's about the willingness to move. It, it's, it's saying, I'm gonna take a step because it's my declaration of faith that God's going to give me my star in 2024. He's going to show me the way. If you've got kids and they want to participate with you, that's great. They cannot play with matches without your supervision. Just, just a little, right? Just a little, little, little encouragement. So, so as we sing, you come. As we sing, if there's something about this message that captures your heart about wanting the direction that God wants to give, then light one of these candles. You light the match with the large candle, light the votive, and then you can put the match, just dip it right into the sand. Stand with me as we pray. Father, I pray for every person that's here tonight. I pray for the people that have gathered in this space. For the stars that we need to see. For the direction that we long to find to capture the feeling of the Magi, to know that our God sees us, He knows our name, He has a divine purpose for us, 
He has a place for us to land, a place for us to arrive. And you know exactly the star that we need to see to get us there. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody said together, amen, as we worship, you come.